Hi, I'm Anand Daga with Walters Kluwer, and we are here today with Judge Kate Fury to provide five fast facts related to the CARES Act and the impact on bankruptcy and insolvency law. This discussion will be part of an ongoing series as we continue to discuss the impact of COVID-19 and what it means to our future. With that, Judge Fury, tell us a little about yourself and your role at Walters Kluwer. Hi, Anand, and thanks for having me today. I've been the editor of Ginsburg & Martin on Bankruptcy for Walters Kluwer for about three years. Before that, I used the publication regularly, both as a reference on the bench, but also when I was in private practice. The publication is a great desk book that covers all aspects of bankruptcy law, including commonly used or needed forms. I work with my staff and with the editors at Wolters Kluwer covering any changes required for this set. I'm a U.S. bankruptcy court judge, and prior to that, I was a bankruptcy and general commercial litigation attorney and appellate lawyer. The Affordable Care Act has impacted many financially troubled individuals and businesses. Those effects are beginning to come into cases being filed in bankruptcy courts, as well as in our state courts. All right. We are here to talk about the substantial and unprecedented legislation and its impact on troubled companies, individuals, and the legal industry. Can you give us an update on what you're seeing right now with regard to the financial op options that were in the CARES Act? Well, even prior to the passage of the CARES Act, many businesses were facing turbulent times and access to financing was very uncertain uh, on occasion. The CARES Act contains multiple programs that impact primarily small businesses, but others as well. The two main programs that we have seen coming through our court uh, and in the legal industry right now are the Paycheck Protection Program, that's also sometimes called PPP, and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. Can you explain a little bit more how PPP works and its importance in bankruptcy? PPP has provisions for loans to even the smallest companies and a set of corporate lending programs that are aimed at larger companies. There are a variety of conditions and limitations that exist that differ depending on the specific program under PPP. Uh, it was designed to provide emergency funding for small businesses. The act created a $669 billion loan program. Most companies with 500 or fewer employees were eligible to apply. The deadline to apply for those loans was initially June the 30th but it was later extended to August the 8th. The PPP program allows entities to apply for low interest private loans to pay for their payroll 
and certain other costs and expenses, such as rent, mortgage uh, interest payments, and utilities. The amount of the PPP loan is approximately equal to two and a half times the applicant's average monthly payroll costs. The loan proceeds could also be used, as noted, for utilities, rent, interest on mortgages, uh, as well as the payroll and associated tax costs. It could be partially or fully forgiven, depending on whether the business keeps its employee count and employee wages stable for a period of time um, through the use of the loan. The business can then apply for forgiveness at any time on or before the maturity of the loan. The program has, in practice, afforded the ability of many businesses struggling with decreased revenues to retain employees and to pay necessary operating expenses. For example, with many restaurants across the country closed to in-person dining and then reopening but at substantially reduced capacity, those restaurants were still able to pay staff to operate on a takeout basis or on a reduced uh, in-person dining basis. Especially as the weather improved, this afforded the opportunity to continue service on site. It's also supplemented revenues so that the businesses are able, uh, even with reduced capacity or revenue from normal operation, to pay rent or to pay utilities. The Main Street Lending Program targets companies in between, ones that have 500 to 10,000 employees, and thus they aren't so large that they could, for example, issue bonds or otherwise access the kind of capital that might be necessary to carry them through a pandemic. The Main Street Lending Program remains one of the least discussed programs in the entire CARES Act and bailout. Yet it is aimed at a very important sector of the economy that represents millions of jobs. Congress and the Treasury Department pledged $75 billion to the Federal Reserve to administer this program. The Fed, by borrowing or creating more money, could potentially use that sum to give out $600 billion worth of loans. Mid-sized companies are a significant source of jobs, employing an estimated 45 million people across the United States. Yet, four months after the fund was created, it has been barely touched. Even as tens of thousands of businesses have closed, and millions of workers have been let go. The effect of these programs has been to at least delay the filing of bankruptcy for many businesses. Unfortunately, it appears that it has not had a long-term impact on the survival of many businesses. As capacity in restaurants continues to be limited, 
as capacity in hotels continues to be limited, for example, those remain at all-time low occupancy rates, and it appears that many of those businesses will close, whether temporarily or permanently, is clearly uncertain. The impact will be more state court liquidations, more foreclosures, and ultimately more bankruptcies. Additionally, this impact will also affect the employees of those businesses, potentially generating a huge increase in the number of individual bankruptcies. Have issues related to PPP loans come into bankruptcy courts? Yes. Initially, the questions that came before bankruptcy courts related to PPP loans were the process of applying for and receiving such loans and whether or not companies that were already in bankruptcy could do so. The SBA administers that program through its local lenders and the application fee or the application form for the PPP program asked if the borrower or any owner of at least 10% of the borrower was in bankruptcy. If that question was answered yes, the application would automatically in many instances not be processed and therefore would effectively be denied. So one of the first challenges or questions that began to come before bankruptcy courts was whether or not the SBA and the local lenders could deny an application merely because the debtor or one of its 10% owners was in bankruptcy. The results for the debtors were mixed. Some courts went so far as to enjoin the SBA or the lender from denying the application on that basis, while other courts said there was no authority to issue an injunction, but there may still have been, even without an injunction, the possibility of remedies for debtors. Debtors and their lawyers gave careful consideration to the issue. In a number of cases, including some before me, the debtors dismissed their bankruptcy case, immediately obtained the loans, and then immediately after receiving the funds, moved to reopen their bankruptcy or filed a new case. The likely next wave of PPP-related issues that are beginning right now to come before the court uh, relates to the forgiveness of those loans. Many of the companies that borrowed the funds used the money as was provided to pay payroll, associated payroll taxes, other employee compensation, including insurance and health benefits and retirement. They also made mortgage interest payments and utilities and rent. And if, under PPP, the loan was spent on those permitted items, particularly wages and wage-related amounts, the loan could be forgiven for 100% of the payroll costs 
and amounts up to 66.67% of non-payroll amounts. Many companies have, in fact, expended the loans in full on the permitted items. Under the CARES Act, they were able to start applying for forgiveness as early as May 27, 2020. The problem is that many of the applications for forgiveness have either not yet even been processed or are not being granted, not being denied, but not being granted. If a company with such a loan comes into bankruptcy, it is probable, and we're beginning to see this, that the PPP loan would be listed by the debtor as disputed, and any claim filed for the loan would likely be subject to an objection. Can you tell us what you feel the most significant consumer-related impact of CARES is? The CARES Act amended the definition for bankruptcy purposes of current monthly income under Section 101-10AB Romanet 2. It excludes any coronavirus-related payments that are received from the federal government. This means there's been an expansion in the number of people eligible to file a Chapter 7 based on their current monthly income rather than being required to file a Chapter 13. It's estimated that millions of Americans were eligible for the economic impact payments. Those were the payments of up to $1,200 for individuals and $2,400 for married couples who filed a joint return, plus $500 per qualifying child. There are also enhanced unemployment supplements that were a significant impact for many individuals. Unfortunately, in many instances, there have been substantial delays in processing those unemployment claims, resulting in many individuals either being forced into bankruptcy or creating defaults under Chapter 13 plans for those that are already in bankruptcy because they haven't been receiving those benefits, even though they may be entitled to them. Any other impacts on consumers that are important? Yes, uh, the CARES Act also excludes coronavirus-related payments from the definition of disposable income under Code Section 1325B2. This is also a very important change because to have a plan confirmed, a Chapter 13 debtor must either pay all creditors in full or provide that all of the debtor's projected disposable income be paid over for the term of the plan. Excluding federal government payments will potentially reduce the amounts that are required to be paid through a plan. Debtors in existing Chapter 13 cases can request a modification of their plan if they are experiencing or have experienced a material financial hardship due directly or indirectly to the COVID pandemic. 
that would include, for example, an extension of time under their plan. Note that the CARES Act does not define material financial hardship or the scope of what might be considered an indirect hardship. Those are decisions that are going to be left to the bankruptcy courts. Finally, under the CARES Act, debtors can extend the term of their Chapter 13 plan from 60 months to up to 84 months from when the first payment was due under a confirmed plan. This provides an additional 24 possible months to make repayment. The additional time may enable debtors to cure mortgage or car loan payments or other defaults to reduce the monthly payment amount by extending it over the additional 24 months as well. What other cha changes or important features were in the CARES Act that may impact business bankruptcies? Well, there's the Small Business Reorganization Act of 2019 that came before CARES. It was signed into law on August 23, 2019 and became effective on February 19, 2020, just on the eve of the beginning of the pandemic. That legislation added a provision known as Subchapter 5 to Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code. That new legislation was designed to make Chapter 11 reorganizations much more accessible and affordable for small businesses. Unfortunately, as written, the business could not have more than $2,725,625 in debt to qualify under Subchapter 5. The CARES Act expanded the number of businesses that may be able to qualify for Subchapter 5. Under the CARES Act, the debt limit to qualify was increased to $7.5 million in non-contingent, liquidated, secured and unsecured debt. As written, that increase will sunset on March the 26th, 2021. Interestingly, it is estimated that of all of the Chapter 11 cases filed between 2014 and 2018, almost 57% would have been eligible for this more streamlined, cost-effective provision if the process in the Small Business Reorganization Act had been in effect. And that percentage would be potentially even greater if we started looking at the $7.5 million temporary increase in debt limit. I would note that Small Business Reorganization Act cases hit an all-time low in filing volume in March of this year, but they have been steadily increasing since, and it is likely they will continue to increase for some period of time. Okay. What does the longer-term future hold, in your opinion? I think that there are going to be many more business bankruptcies and closures. Uh, what percentage of those 
will be a closure and a liquidation compared to a reorganization remains an open question. Many mid to large size businesses were able to borrow funds for their operation and they were able to do so through other than the government programs I've already mentioned. Many of those loans, however, are likely to mature late next spring or sometime next summer. Depending on the rebound of business from the COVID pandemic, there may well be a spike in business bankruptcies at that time if those mid to larger businesses with maturing loans are unable to address refinancing. We're also likely to see an increasing number of consumers forced into bankruptcy as the job market and unemployment rates continue to vary. And that does tend to trail increases in business filings, at least historically, by about six months. Great. Thanks, Judge Fury, for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. For those of you listening, if you would like to receive more information related to COVID-19, please visit our free open web resource. And that address is walterskluwerlr.com slash bankruptcy. Once again, walterskluwerlr.com slash bankruptcy, LR as in legal regulatory. Thank you.